G'day everyone, it's Jono here. Welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. Footy is back. We are so excited. There were so many quality games over the weekend to watch and get around. I can't wait for us to get stuck into some of our biggest fantasy takeaways from the weekend. But first, let's quickly touch base with some of my co-hosts for today. I might start with you, Liam. How are you going? G'day, Jono. I am... I'm pretty good, actually. I'm pretty happy with my round rank ecstatic with the Bombers performance on the weekend so yeah it's been pretty sweet yeah it was a it was great to be at the the Essendon Hawks game I, I do like that the second you saw me in my Hawks paraphernalia you, you walked straight the other direction oh but Jono Jono <laughs> you were dressed like a little bit of a Hawks nuffy there was a little bit too much brown and gold going on to be comfortable uh, you gotta kind of read the room sometimes yeah yeah no I, I completely get that but Look, it was great being at Marvel. I can't believe they got a good 12,000 people there. It felt packed because they'd closed off the upper ones. So great to great to have some footy live again. Mel, how are you doing? I am also well. I am very excited about how I went this week in fantasy. I think it's going to be the best I ever do. So therefore, I've given myself bragging rights. But we'll get, more, we'll get to more of that later. I love, Mel, that you started off the pod as quietly as possible, knowing full well that your excitement is going to ball over at some point. <laughs> no, I love it. Look, I'm, I'm excited to get into the team scores. But before we do, Will, you got to go down and see see the Geelong Cats this weekend live as well. How, how was your weekend? Georgie Presparkus! Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited, very happy with the Geelong win. But just to be honest, I'm... Very happy to have been very tired from a big weekend of football. I went to so many games, got to see so much AFLW. I'm just so pumped that the the footy's back. So, yeah, great weekend and 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 a great weekend of football. Yeah, it's nice to be able to bookend your weekends with your two favourite players. With you know Schleicher taking the ten coaches votes in the in the first game of the round, and then Prasparkas doing great work in the final one. Oh, absolutely! I, I couldn't have asked for a better better weekend from my favourite two players. Mm. that's also a bit harsh on Nina Morrison because I do love Nina Morrison and she played a fantastic game as well so great weekend all, all <laughs> around but but Mel what, what did you enjoy from the weekend yeah no it was really great being able to watch games again going to one live as well and the thing I enjoyed the most was feeling like I have this connection with the players that we've had on the pod now so watching like Tani White play I was like oh there's my girl (laughs) I ran into um Gabby Seymour not that I said hi because I was too nervous but ran into Gabby Seymour on the weekend as well and it was like oh can't wait to watch her play seeing Amelia like coming on and off the field and taking pictures of her from behind being like "Woo, you look great um it was just so exciting to like have, feel like we have a bit more of an in, intimate connection with these players that we've had on the pod and just seeing them absolutely smash it on the weekend. It's just such a good feeling. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I Every time Brenda Tarrant got near the ball, I was just like, oh, bless her. Go, go you good thing. So <laughs> fantastic to watch. I, I do have a giggle at the fact that you, you've had such extensive chats with Gabby Seymour because she came on the podcast, yet seeing her on the street, you're like, oh, no, I'm a bit too much there. <laughs> she was dressed in her footy gear, and I was like, oh, that's too daunting. <laughs> well, look, let's, let's jump into how we went on the weekend because we had some very, very good results amongst the, the four of us and, and the free kick team, to be honest. So, Will, we might start with you. How'd you go over round one? 
Yeah, unfortunately, Rookie Roulette got the best of me, and I didn't quite do as well as the rest of the team, but I managed to crack the 1,000, so 1,003, uh, which put me at a rank of 794th, which sounds a bit average, but I was only less than 100 points away from a top 100 spot, so still a lot of lot of stuff to, to happen in the fantasy year. And you could have had those 100 points because they were on your bench. Yeah, exactly. My, my bench almost averaged more than my field, which is a bit ridiculous we'll talk about plus and minus threes but i give a plus three to my bench and a minus three for me for not playing them (laughs) (laughs) next up was actually the free kickers so for anyone playing along at home you want to jump on our our podcast team free kickers end up scoring 1090 uh which was a huge first round score and they've done it on the back of some pretty amazing picks of of nina morrison and tiny white both tunning up which was very unexpected, but well done, those two. Yeah, and I think what a, a few of the other players that we did get on the show, like Gab Seymour, probably performed a bit better than we expected as well. So it, it really did contribute to a, a, a very unexpected high score for that team. And yeah. this was on the back as well of having two 28s on field and a 30 from our F1 going into the round. So, like, ridiculous team, like, pulled it from the bag from, from basically only interviewees. Well, look, it, it sounds like it's going to be a challenge, but if anyone does want to chuck the free kickers in their league, they're currently ranked 112th and, and see how you go against them this season. Uh, I think I was the, the next lowest score there with a 1,128, which I have to say I was very, very chuffed with. Put me up into 28th spot, so very happy to start the season. Liam, how'd you go? You, you just seemed to pit me a little bit there. Yeah, look, I, uh, I just beat you by a grand total of six points. But, you know, we obviously know I'm the better AFLW fantasy coach, so it kind of fits. Uh, I finished up with uh, 11.34 and a rank rank of 23, 23 overall. Them's fighting words, Liam. (laughs) Look, Jono is so much better than me at men's, and I don't think I've been in, like, any rounds. It's good to be like... Got to throw that number three hat at him every time we mention it. Kicked him once. (laughs) All right, well that's that's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to a coach who's done even better than you have then this weekend. Mel, you have topped the charts on the free kick pod, and you've done it comfortably. How how did you go this weekend? Oh, it it was very exciting. I didn't realize how good my team was until after the first uh, couple of games, and then watching Kate Hall just absolutely overperform what I was expecting. And from then on, I thought, oh, maybe I might be onto a winner here. I was really hoping I would come first and take out that $500 cash prize. But alas, I'll settle with third. So third place, what is the actual score that you had? Oh, my actual score was 1,177. Jeez, that is is just enormous. Huge. Alarmingly, though, 62 points behind first place. There is a massive gap between first and second. It's like... 60 points to second, and then two points to third, and then, you know, one or two points there. So it just means that catching up with first place is going to be very difficult. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Congratulations to uh, Shirley's Sheilas, currently sitting in first place with a, a 1,239 points. Insane. Absolutely huge. huge. Only score over 12, uh, 1,200 as well. Just massively yeah. outstripped the competition in the first week. Yeah. for Just for everyone's awareness here, if you're looking for that top 100 hat, Currently sitting in 100th spot is Powerman with 1,096 points, which is about 143 points behind Leader. But it is very, very tight at the top. It's only one round, so 
you know, if you, if you take another 143 points beyond 100th place, yeah, you end up in the 1,500s. It's, there's a lot of people vying for a close spot there, so I'm excited for the season ahead. But why don't we jump into some of our plus threes for the weekend? Liam, why don't we go reverse order here? Why don't we start with you? Who, who did you think was your top player this weekend? Uh, I reckon my top player this weekend was, uh, was Anne Hatchard coming out on the Friday night with the C. Not only did she outstrip Eb Marinoff, but she managed to land me a very solid captain score of 99 in, in what was on the whole a pretty down round for, for the Uber Primos. Uh, I could not have asked for anything better. Yeah, only one of those big four midfielders to pass 80 points, so clearly the winner there. And yet she'll still lose cash because yeah. this game is going to be insane this year. <laughs> yep. Mel, who was your plus three this weekend? So I went Parker because she. I was expecting her to do well, but I was not expecting her to do that well. Um, being one of the only players that got 100 points is just outstanding. Yeah, and I, I have Will to thank for that. Yeah, Will, Will, who was your plus three? Yeah, I, I had Elise Parker as well. I, I was super happy to have her as my M3 and to pump out 100 like that. Uh, I was strong in her in the preseason. She was one that I was throwing out there every time we were talking about midfielders. So very happy to see that one pay off. And Jono? Well, I think mine's probably pretty simple. On the first game of the, the season, Abby Mackay oh. has pumped out a 91 price from you know, a 50 price point. I was I was absolutely thrilled. What a way to start the Huge season. Huge start. Huge start. And you weren't um, watching that game necessarily live, were you? And we're just blowing up the group chat being like, Jono! <laughs> no, no, honestly... I. I, it feels harsh to say, but my sister, she needs to time her birthday dinners better. That was, that was a rough game to miss. <laughs> I'll say I was there live and she was everywhere. But only got one coach's vote. Only True. Got one coach's they, did vote. Get, they did get thumped, though. Put, put that in mind. <laughs> mm, mm, they're going to get thumped a lot this year. That's the problem. Yeah, it sounds like zero tag threat. That's all I hear. It's going to be great. <laughs> Doesn't matter if she's getting 10 tackles every week and scoring a 90. Look, on, on the absolute flip side, I was... Uh, one of the people on the podcast not to captain Anne Hatchard, not even in my team. Sucker. I went with Ebony Marinoff, and geez, that was not not quite as promising. Seventy six in the end actually turned out to be an okay captain score, but given given what I paid for there, she's going to get my minus three for the week. Uh, Will, who was yours? My minus three goes to my M two, which was Mon Conti. She looked fantastic against Geelong. Unfortunately, didn't quite get it done from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, no, it's, it was a strange game, that one. Mm. But, geez, hard to get too much ball in the Richmond midfield given everyone was getting it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Too much yeah. sharing it around, so a 66 does not cut it at your M2, especially the price Mon Conti was. Mel, who was your negative three this week? Do you even have one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I did have a very good team. My negative three went to Foley because I had to bring her in kind of last minute when Goodwin was not named for the court game. And there was... I could have picked someone else, I guess, but I went with Foley being quite hopeful. And she did okay in the end, got a 53, which was fine, but I was just really hoping that if I was having to bring in someone last minute that they were going to be a bit better than that. I think she might be on the trade-out list for next week. Got to say, to be having your minus three as a defender scoring 53, that is <laughs> that just says how well you're tracking. Yeah. 23 points above her starting price as well, if I may. <laughs> here, here, let me just double my price stat. No, you're, you're, a, you're a schlup. Get him out. No, no. Look, this is this is what happens when your team comes third for the week. My Jesus most disappointing Christ. player this week was Carney, who had a difference of 
eight because other than that it was very own hatch I had a difference of four and everyone else had a lot of upside for me so <laughs> all right, oh, all right. <laughs> Liam, Liam, why don't you bring us home who's your minus three for the week <laughs> back in the real fantasy world with problems in their team uh, I reckon that the biggest problem in my in my team was that and I know this is a bit rough to give the minus three to a rookie but it's got to go to Bridie Kennedy. Mm. Pumping out of 28. Now, I will give it the green flag in that North Sydney Oval is the worst footballing venue you've ever seen because it's about the size of a postage stamp. But a 28, probably just not good enough. But then again, I think it just kind of typifies a lot of people's defences this week. It was not a particularly high-scoring line. No one scored above 80. Uh, I think just as a whole, my defense, I think my high score was, was Carney, and even then that wasn't particularly spectacular with 30. It was 61. Yeah, it was a tough, tough line to score in this weekend. And I think when we get down to some trade talk, we're going to be seeing a, a lot of struggle in that line. But look, if we can get into the trade talk, there were a lot of very popular players that failed to fire in round one. So, I mean, to start off with, the most popular player in the entire game was Montana Ham. Scored a 67, which was actually very, very good amongst the rookies, but he's going to be injured. So three to four weeks out with a, a bit of a knee ligament issue there. Uh, after that, you had Bridie Kennedy and Amy Whelan in the top five, both with about 40% ownership, neither of which managed to crack 30. Just just no one really firing in that top set there. So it's it's going to be a lot of issues for a lot of teams. And that's before we even count some of the drama that we had with the team announcements. How many rookies were you know, so very surprise omissions from the team, or, or even worse. On on the Saturday morning, we saw Fleur Davies was a very late addition to GWS's inactive list, and how many coaches would have been stuck with her as their on-field rock? That that Fleur Davies one in particular was, was a shocker because the announcement came through, I reckon, about, what, half an hour before the the actual game? Yeah, it was like 12.45 before a one ten start. Yeah. <laughs> So there was a lot of people needing to very quickly try and get her out. Um, so yeah, that, that's one that if people didn't manage to get her out beforehand, might be someone you need to trade out, but at the same time, without any money at this stage, might be someone you're stuck with. Let's jump into the defender line, because that's, I think, where a lot of coaches have had a lot of struggle. And I think there's you know, a good discussion here about what, what is it actually worth investing in this line? Because when you look at the top, we really only had a couple of players that scored above or better than their price point. So you had Ruby Schleicher top of the round for 79. Very, very impressive score there. After that, it was actually the rookie Eilish Shearing, which was seriously, seriously impressive there with a 73. Gab Pound with 70. Chelsea Randall and Isabel Pritchard, 68 apiece, kind of rounded out the top five. But I wouldn't say that a lot of these were, uh, I suppose, unexpected. Uh, these are pretty highly owned players, most of the four. Most of the top three there with, with Randall and Pritchard a bit left field. But beyond that, it, it dropped away quite quickly. So what are the thoughts, guys? Is this, is this a line that anyone here is planning on trading? I'm, I'm not in terms of the premiums, at least. I think one of the things that we do kind of forget is that even last season... Not many defenders averaged more than 60. The 55 to 60 range was pretty standard. So these sort of scores, even though they're not impressive, aren't unexpected. It's the the fact that we didn't really get any massive scores above that that is probably more unexpected. 
I think the bigger problem is that none of the defenders were really playing midfield roles. Mm. So Slicer and Pound came in as two of the top three defenders and they played nearly pure defensive roles. Like Ruby Slicer was pinch hitting in 25-30% of CBAs and that was about the most that we really got out of a, a full-time kind of mid to upper mid defender and I think that's just emblematic of why the scoring was so low. Like you compare it to the forward line and you've got uh, Abby Mackay spending nearly the entirety of the game as a as a midfielder. Of course, it's going to be easier to hit ninety when you have a chance to lay fourteen tackles. So we didn't see Schleicher play too much in the middle. It started in the middle, but definitely spent the majority of the game down back. Uh, I think Chelsea Randall spent periods in the middle, but she played pretty much every position on the ground except for ruck. Uh, Liam, one I have to ask you about is Hannah Priest. I think uh, I think you were spruiking her for some midfield time. What happened there? <laughs> okay. I did spruik her for midfield time, and we got that word directly from the club. And then she did the square root of FA uh, as a midfielder on the weekend. So, <laughs> uh, look, I think the red flags were already there in the preseason game where she only really played it in the first quarter and then spent the rest of the game down back. We kind of flagged it when we were talking in our Defenders episode that maybe we probably didn't need to be as hot. There was always going to be the red flag. It was just the potential for midfield time. I think... Still, she will be value at some point in this season. I just don't think it's right now if she's playing pure defender. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Where This 23 is going to tank her price, which means that if she does get that actual midfield time that we've talked about, she could be coming at a very cheap price later in the season, so it could be a very good upgrade target. But for now, definitely be steering clear. Yeah, especially if you're still on her, because I know there's a few coaches that have her in their team. I think... A 23 is kind of reflective of the fact that they played Sydney, expansion side, ball's not going in their back half at all, and they play Hawthorne this week. I think we could be seeing a very, very similar game. So it could be worth trading out, but in you know three weeks or so, she's going to be very, very cheap, even just as a defender, because the ball at some point has got to get into St Kilda's back line. I think the one that we did talk a bit about that has a little bit of interest for me, just in terms of the role, is Isabel Pritchard. She was a player, ironically, that was a, a Will season two early pick. She was someone that I was keen on last season due to being listed on a wing. Didn't really get that role last season, but got a, a, a small amount of midfield time for the Dogs this weekend, so one to watch. Yeah, she was doing it in the preseason game, but I did not expect it to continue because they were missing, you know, Kirsty Lamb, uh, Georgia Stathis. So seeing her hold on to that is very impressive. Yeah, I think by seeing her both have that role in the preseason and then in round one, I think that that's hopefully something that will stay for the rest of the season and makes her very a very attractive option to me now. And I think she's one that if you can jump on her now before her price goes up and up, then she could be a really good unique. I, for one, am definitely very keen to bring in Isla Sheeran. I thought she looked fantastic back in Richmond's defence. I was amazed that I think she had something like 19 possessions and 17 of them were intercept possessions, which is just crazily impressive. I think the other thing as well is that the number of times she just took a mark, an intercept mark, and then was just like, no, no point going backwards over the mark. I'm just going to keep running forwards. I'm going to run around who was ever was in front of me anyway. It's and then easy. kick it. Just kick it. <laughs> just... And she almost had a goal as well. She almost had an even higher score. The only th- She got beaten by like a second by the siren. Mm. Like She had an epic game. I reckon she's a downgrade option for some like 80 to 90k defenders mm. given the way she looked and given how much her price is going to rise. Yeah, if, if you've got a, a player like a Priest, she's a perfect player to pick. It's a big cash mm. grab, but like 
I think, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it at some point, but the, the degree to which these primo-level players who scored fine or below fine are going to get completely ruined price-wise means you've got to go early. Yeah, unless I can see that unless you're planning on keeping that primo for your whole season, like a, a Hatchard, you don't really mind them losing a little bit of money because they're unless something terrible happens like Bowers going out last season for a couple of rounds, unless that happens, they're probably going to stay with you the whole time. You're okay to take a little bit of a loss there. But anyone else that you're not planning on having the whole time and they start losing money, I think this is the opposite of don't mess with the primos because we've seen just how drastic these price changes have already been. Yeah, so you'd be you'd be on board with dropping one of these guns down that are underperforming to a rookie price player who might perform similar. A rookie or a mid-pricer and just kind of take the risk because the options are you're either going to lose a lot of money on your primos and then lock yourself out from doing any risks or you could just take a risk now going into round two, cash out on a, a primo that's before they're going to lose more money if you think they are and just go for a midnight, mid-price madness option and see if it can get you there. I think... I think this is directly analogous to what uh, I think most of us did last year, at least I know Jono and I did, which is we got rid of Casey Sheriff in round two for player whose name escapes me right this very second, Melbourne defender. Libby Birch. Libby Birch, there we go. Yeah, we tried it out, Casey <laughs> Sheriff, Libby Birch, made some money, to, we jumped on a player who was clearly going to make some cash and yeah, that, that kind of just like set forth our, that's the kind of restructure you need to be doing, particularly uh, in defence, as we've talked about, where there isn't a, a top line player we must have who's just going to rocket past everybody. It's all just about restructuring and just finding those, uh, those mid-price rockets to jump on. So a situation that a lot of coaches find themselves in the minute uh, is Bridie Kennedy. She's in 40% of teams and she threw out a 28, which is definitely not what you'd want from someone who spent so much time around the ball. Will, I'm going to throw this one to you. What, are the, what do you do with that? As Liam said, first game, not ideal circumstances at all. So if you do decide to hold, there's definitely reason to do that. But at this stage, personally, I'm looking to trade her out. There isn't a fantastic crop of rookies to put on field. So you've got to take the ones that are there. Bridie Kennedy is a watch in your side because she had CBAs, she played against St. Kilda, who were incredibly hard to score against, and they played on a ground which is terrible, just flat-out terrible to accumulate points on because it is so small. And it's so much harder, particularly for younger, smaller side, to really be able to do anything out of it. I think a lot of the Sydney defenders who... Sorry, a lot of the Sydney players were always going to score badly given those circumstances. I think Bridie Kennedy is a hold. So you're not tempted to do a swapsie over to the other kind of well-performing rookie price defender in like Taylor Gatt or something? Like, it's not... I don't see it as a massive priority. This, for me, is if you've got a spare trade, go for it. But I think if you're holding her, absolutely it's not a bad idea at all because she's, as you say, she's a rookie defender who's getting CBAs. That's still a very good thing and I expect her to improve. If you've got a trade to spare where you can get to someone who you know is going to generate that cash faster, sure, why not? I, yeah, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree. I think if you have someone who's scored you know, under 20, because I know a lot of people would have started with Erica O'Shea, like I did, or <laughs> you know, uh, Alexi Hamilton, a Mackenzie Erdley, that was real sad to see fail because she looked very, very good in the practice match and it was a real surprise to see her drop. But yeah, I think I think these are the ones that even if they double their scoring, they're still not doing anything worthwhile for your fantasy side. So 
those I would move on first. I don't like. I don't mind the idea of giving Bridie Kennedy one more week and and see if she can score against a, a bit of an easier side in the Pies. Let's jump on to the midfield line because this is where the majority of coaches spent their money and where the majority of our money was lost because none of our premiums <laughs> failed. I was looking at the top ten from the round. And these are names that last season you would not have wanted to touch them with a 10-foot pole. That's harsh on Tony White. It is. It is. <laughs> and I'll stand by it, quite frankly. <laughs> no one would have expected Tony White to be the top scoring player last season. And she's gone second for the round with 104. Topping the round was Sarah Hosking at 105. Well done, Mel. And the third midfielder there was uh, Maria Maloney and Nina Morrison with 101. And of those four players I've mentioned... Only one of them had more than 2% ownership, and it was 2.2, which is just... No one no one really had a lot of these players. I, I think you're even underselling it there. Everyone outside of Nina Morrison was below 1% ownership. Like, incredibly rare. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you have to go down very, very far before you get to... Uh, well, you have Anne Hatchard at 99, but you have to go down a fair way before you even get to a player with 10% ownership after that. So... It was a very tough week for our top-scoring players. If if you've started with Kiara Bowers or Ebony Marinoff, Ash Riddell, Emily Bates, Monconti, Haley Miller, or Jamie Lambert, it was a rough first round for you. Guys, what do you do if you're in the situation where you've picked out one of these big guns and, and they've not, not fired as you want them to in round one? Well, I think there's a difference here between picking out one of those big guns and picking out the big gun. If you picked Bowers and she got a 71... I think that, well, this might be controversial, but I think you just got to cut your losses. I completely agree. She, she's basically going to have to score 150 for the next three weeks to maintain price there. Yeah, if she's not losing money every week, she's definitely not making it. Like, she's just going to be... But she is the only player I can think of that has the capability to score 150 for the next three weeks. So True. Thank you. True. Thank you for making the argument I was just about to make there. But I think the, the more structural and strategic point here is that when you paid up for Bowers, she was completely eliminated from your side value. You should just pretend that that money that she costs does not exist and that the pool of money is everything, everyone else in your side. Because she is that expensive, but she is also by far and away the most dominant fantasy scorer, I would say, in any version of AFL or AFLW fantasy, given what she can do and the fact that she can you know, have 15 tackles and a half and just completely break everything. It does not matter how much money she loses because all you're going to be... Unless you're going all the way down to like Maria Maloney or Jackie Yorston, you're pretty much picking players who even if they scored well this week, have break-evens that are around about equal to or even higher than what they averaged. I don't think you touch Kiara Bowers. If you made that choice, that's just the lump you, you deal with. She is going to score at some point. She has never not scored. You knew when you picked her that she was coming off no preseason. You can't touch her. I, I think it's... Yeah, I, I like the idea. If you're going to trade her out, do it now because her break-even is 198. She is going to be losing a lot of cash. So it's either trade her now or hold her for the rest of the season. If she has another poor score in round two, I think you've made your bed. You've got to hold it because we know she'll come good. Yeah, and this is kind of a point that we'll make about pretty much any of these premiums on any line is that if they're going to keep losing money over the next few weeks, if you're looking to trade them out, if you think that's the best thing for your team, do it now because they're just going to keep losing money. I love, John, your turn of phrase there. Uh, you've made your bed... 
now you've got to pick it up <laughs> <laughs> or carry you know, or carry it with you. Like I'm imagining you carrying around a yeah. made bed now with Kiara Bowers in it. Do you not sleep in a sleeping yeah. bag every night, Liam? That's <laughs> Just a blanket rolled out oh. on the floor. <sighs> Very good. We've we've got a bigger issue because there's there's a few people who've picked Kiara Bowers, but no player in the game is currently more selected than Montana Ham. Mm. We've got 62% of people out there who don't have their first choice of rookie for the next three to four weeks and are probably looking for some thoughts on where do we take her to. So, Liam, I might throw to you. Let's imagine you had Montana Ham. Where are you putting your money? Uh, if you don't have Abby Dowrick, it's a slam dunk Abby Dowrick in your team. You make money from doing it, and she looked incredible on the weekend. Just absolutely everywhere has a massive kick on her as well. Easy, slam dunk. I think the other option is if you're going to downgrade in another line, like if you want to take a Priest down to an Eilish Sheeran, you could see if you could try and upgrade her to a, another one of those two port midfielders in uh, Maloney or Yorston. Yeah, to me, if, if you're not looking to do the downgrade option, Maria Maloney is the obvious one. Only 7K more, um, more expensive. Scored that 100 last round. So that'll probably, I think, be one of the most common trades this week for the owners of Montana Ham. That port midfield was ridiculous. I can't believe Maloney had 14 tackles and Yorston had 10. And they everyone was scoring. That was that was something else. Do we think that's just West Coast related? I'm trying to figure out how that all came together for them. Because you had like seven or eight players that I would be happy to start with in my team. I think it was a bit uh, conditions-based as well. That was an absolute slop in the second and third quarters. And that's where they really massive, like really consolidated their score. Yeah. We know Yorston is a tackle-heavy player. And Maloney, we unfortunately haven't seen a huge amount of having not played too many games when she was at Brisbane. So I think they can... Pro- I, I doubt they'll keep up the, the hundreds and the 96 average, but I think there is definitely scope for them to keep up a reasonably high average, which at the price they're currently at is perfectly fine. Yeah, one thing why I think Maloney could be a really good sideways there is that because her break-even is now 7 she's one that you're going to be picking up not only for the hope that she can get somewhere close to her 101 score again, but that even if she doesn't uh, get anywhere near that and just gets a, a 60 or a 70 or even less, she's going to be making you money next week. Yeah, absolutely. She's got that, that rookie break even now. you got to ride that all the way. I don't think it's realistic that we can expect any of these port players to go over 80 every week, but at the very least, a 70 is on a, is a good result for someone at their price. Yeah, on the other side, though, instead of necessarily picking someone from Port, <laughs> given that they did so well against Eagles, Jess Sedgenary is also one up there. Like, she's about the same price as Dowrick, got a negative break-even, so very similar situation, just going to be earning you a lot of cash. And if Eagles are going to be continually fumbling around the midfield a little bit, um, she could be getting a lot of lot of possessions. Yeah, and she does bring experience to that team, so I, I think that's not a bad option. I think it'll probably be a... Slightly more, ironically, even though she's more highly owned than either of the port ones, I think it'll be a more unique trade-in this week. So it's not a bad alternative option, Mel, I agree. Was there any other rookies that we were interested in? I think Tamara Smith was one that caught my eye, obviously being a hawk. The free kick, yeah. the free kick queen. Free kick queen, set a record <laughs> for free kicks against on debut, nine free kicks against, which... That that was eight, eight, eight in the end. I know, I, I know oh. that I know that it was bad, but it just wasn't that bad. 
It's one above the record. The record was seven. It was eight free kicks against, but nine tackles. And of those eight free kicks against, I am certain that all eight of them were tackle attempts that went too high. If she can turn that into 15 tackles <laughs> or mm. with only two frees against, that's enormous. And she still landed on a 55. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's pretty good football. Yeah. And I'm also bigger. I was always big on Tamara Smith being a, a Geelong VFL person, so I'm very happy to spruik her as well, Jono, despite being in Hawthorne. So I think she's if you, a player <laughs> that if you don't have her in the midfield, you're almost going to be benefited by those frees against because she won't have gone up as much as she may have. Mm. So you've actually got a player who you can probably get cheaper than you should have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I think she's a, a very good option for people who can't quite afford to go up if you just need that extra 1 or 2k to make a trade work on the other end. I think that's a very good option there. There's a few other rookies that played over the weekend. I might do these a little bit quicker because I don't think they're... They, they didn't score quite as highly. So, Liam, I threw it to you for the first one. Jazz Fleming, yes or no? Jazz Fleming, still yes. She still looks very, very good. She has outside running, still looks like a likely player, and classy with the ball in hand. I would still say a yes. But I think it's more a case of there is more value if you go down to Tam Smith. If you've got Jazz Fleming, you don't trade her out. Yeah. Will, Imogen Evans. Picked up by a lot of coaches when she got named early. 10% owned after that early selection. To me, it's a no if you don't already have her. I think her role security isn't strong, especially with Michaela Can coming back and Sarah Rowe coming back this week as well. Sailor Rowe. Sailor Rowe. Ah. Very good. <laughs> Sarah Rowe coming back this week. I think there's less uh, room in that midfield for her, even though she did look very impressive in there. Mel, I'm going to actually give you two names at once here because we've got a couple players at the Bombers who put up some fairly low scores for the first round. We have Alana Barber and Amelia Radford. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking about those. It's a real shame because I love watching Radford play. She's not going to make you any money pretty much going into this week and you'd have to hope that she's going to have a massive score because her only cash gen is going to come from a massive score in round two rather than just having a very low break even and automatically making you money. So I reckon if you can afford her, but the problem with both of these people is Barbara and Radford are now both essentially priced at 30 grand. That's the, the pretty much the bottom end of midfielders, rookies that played in round one. You've only really got four or five people that are cheaper than them that played and you probably don't want to be picking up um, you know, going over ransom, possible weight, definitely not. Um, Just before we move wishing on her tonight. a speedy recovery because that was yeah. devastating. Yeah. Oh gosh! Uh, what five hundred and fifty odd days out of the game to do a, a second ACL straight on the first on game the back. other knee to make it even worse. Mm. It's got two weak knees. All right, the final player I want to talk about before we move off the midfield line is Georgia Patricios because I think it's a really interesting case. We brought her in as an undervalued premium, someone who's going to rise in cash because to start the season, priced around 63 and she has a previous best of 90. She's come out and scored a 71, but because of the the price changes in the game, she's now got a break-even of 90. So we're not expecting her to make that cash that we once were. What do you do with her? I think think this is the trade-out. I think this is the problem. I think you can get more value from... Because in my mind, I think Patrikios was probably a stepping stone in, in most risk calculations. Like, we know that she can go at 90, but we also knew she was coming in underdone. I think this is very line ball, but I think it's the fact that 
she is going to struggle to make that cash to make her a stepping stone up to a premium. That means if you can capitalize on downgrading her to a Maloney, a Yorston, then you're likely to make that cash back allow you to upgrade to an Abby Mackay, for example. That means that she's probably a, uh, a trade. Yeah, I, I think to me, she's probably not a priority trade. But if you can use it to fix up your structures elsewhere, I think it's not a bad option. She is playing Hawthorne this week, so potential to score well. But it, it the way the pricing works hasn't worked in her favour, that's for sure. For the same price, you've got your Eliza West around the corner at like 91 grand that has a the potential to make some money because of slightly lower break-even. Sarah Hosking, who we spoke about Hosko. before... <laughs> one of my faves a little bit uh, less expensive so there's some sideways trades that you could make there that once again even if they're not going to get those same amazing scores we don't expect Sarah Hosking to get 105 again but have the higher cash gen potential Hmm. I will put a little bit of an ask I'm probably in the trade out camp is one that I'm very strongly considering this week but the, the thing that's kind of keeping me in the back of my mind is I don't know if she needs to make money to be a stepping stone she kind of just needs to hold her current value because the premiums are coming down to her. But she's mm. going to keep falling. It's why I would consider holding her for another week. If I had her, I would consider it just because if she scores close enough to that 90 mark, doesn't lose too much money, maybe you can use her next week as a stepping stone or she might go big. They are playing the Hawks and that is a very, very handy thing for a premium midfielder. No, so. it's, it, but it's not handy for all us coaches who sit here in Amanar and just go, well, she should have scored more against Sydney. She's got another expansion side, but she's probably going to lose money. And like 50k if you go down to Maria Loney is a lot of cash. It's a lot of cash. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to hearing hearing you pulling your hair out on Friday when you're, you're sleep deprived for three days, tossing and turning over the decision. I think for me, it just comes down to where you need to use your money. Because if you need that money to fix elsewhere, absolutely do it. But if you're sitting pretty and just need to shuffle around some rookies and stuff, I don't think it's a bad thing to hold it. I love that you think that that's a dichotomy. <laughs> Will, I finished inside the top 30 and I have major structural problems. <laughs> How many coaches do you think only have rookies to fix? <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw us on to the next topic here, which is the Ruck lineup. And this is absolutely the most stressful line we've had to deal with this weekend. Chaos. Chaos. The The first thing that happened would have been around Thursday when Georgia Borg, uh, the, one of the most popular rookie Rucks selected in, in I think, about 20% of teams at the time, was ruled out inactive. A lot of people going with that strategy didn't want to restructure their team. They've thrown over to Fleur Davies, who... As we, as we said before, on Saturday, inactive again, leaving a lot of coaches in the lurch. And they were really only left with three or four options. Fortunately, three of those four options have Did really fired. Well. <laughs> yeah, so Liz McGrath has come out and scored a 75, starting at basement price. Cambridge McCormack, who I don't think was on anyone's radar because she wasn't going to play until GWS were left with her as their only option. She's come out in a time of need for coaches and scored a 61. Tam Luke, playing at the Hawks, has come out and put up a 53. Very respectable. One thing I will say about uh, Cambridge McCormick, I think a lot of people actually did end up jumping on her. She got to 15.7% ownership. 
depended on whether you got the news before or after 1.10pm. If you got it before, you probably went Liz McGrath because she was a bit more of a known. But then for those few people that kind of messaged us after 1.10 being like, oh, no, what do I do now? <laughs> I've missed my opportunity. They all went Cambridge McCormack by the looks of it. Yeah, and, and a great pictures ended up being phenomenal. Yeah. For those who caught it, they were almost worse off because a good portion of coaches jumped on Steph Wales and Lucy Wales, both of whom I think played very, very well on Saturday night, but neither did a lot in the ruck, fantasy-wise. So Steph Wales with 24, Lucy Wales I think got up to 33. What would you do if you had those two on your side, guys? Put them on your bench. I think the big thing for both of them is neither of them had 50% ruck contests in the game. I think the Bombers, it was Elise Gamble who was chopping out through there. And then at Hawthorne, it was uh, Tamara Luke. Who also loved giving away a free <laughs> kick. Loved giving away free kicks as well in that Hawthorne midfield. She was trying to compete with Tam Smith. Between them, I think they had 10 free I kicks I think that's against. a skill. <laughs> I mean, that's only two for Tamara Luke. That's really not that many. <laughs> yeah. I think she has. I think I think she actually had four in there. So I've I've actually <laughs> undersold Yeah, yeah. Look, tomorrow, Luke, I have to say, was a monster in that ruck. If she wanted to, she would just toss whoever she was rucking against aside. Yep. And and got a lot of clearances that way, which I really really to liked. <laughs> yeah, I I think that her playing against some rookie rucks in the upcoming fixtures makes her an attractive prospect. Well, I'm I'm glad that a lot of coaches have done well with that rookie ruck strategy. If you haven't, if you've gone and paid up for a, a proper ruck, as, as much of us have, do we need to backtrack here and downgrade someone like uh, a Lauren Pierce, a Brianne Moody, or a Celine Moody as the top three most expensive rucks chosen? The one that's probably of most concern is Celine Moody, who we've all gone from being incredibly keen on to almost scared, witless in the space of one week. Oh, I think my heart broke at quarter time when I'd seen that she'd been playing entirely forward minutes. I think she's got the potential to be the best ruck in the game and she's been thrown into the forward line. Why do we think that was? And is that something that we think will happen again next week? Like, do we know? Do you I, have any I think field? this is a result of Bonnie Toogood leaving that forward line, is that they looked at the practice game, they decided they were a little undersized and they've They've looked at how well Celine Moody was acting as a ruck around the ground, took a lot of contested marks, that and to her credit, a fantastic score, given that she was just up forward. Kicked two goals, ended up with a 67, which is you know above her starting price. So very, very happy, given the circumstances. But, oh, just, just crushing, just crushing. 27% ruck contests is extremely alarming and I think it's not only the loss of too good but it's the improvement of Lu- um, Lucy Ed- it's the improvement of Alice Edmonds as well and she looked really good on on the weekend and Celine Moody did really well to make it up to to a score in the 60s and I am petrified of what it could mean in the future because we all came into that round one being like this is going to be a cakewalk it's Fleur Davies, a rookie ruck up against what we think is the biggest improver in the ruck line. And then it got even juicier when it was like, no, 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 no. It's not even the best ruck in the draft from last year. It's someone we've not heard of before who's 23 who is playing ruck in Canberra. Even better. She's going to score a basquillion points. Nope, wrong. Not happening. She's a full-time forward. The only thing that 
gives me a little bit of hope, at least for the short term, is the Bulldogs have a fairly favourable fixture. They play Port Adelaide next week, and they play Freo the week after, who aren't the team that they were in previous seasons, which gives me some hope that she can at least hold a little bit of value so that I can prioritise other areas, because I'm, I'm with you on this, Liam. I do want to move her on if she keeps in the forward line. I'm just hoping, against possibly very optimistically, that she can do okay in the forward line against the power. Yeah, it, it's it's Port, uh, as you say, Frio, but then it's also Hawthorne the round after. So it's, it's a very comfortable fixture. I know Frio was a top six side last season, but they're facing a lot more injuries in their back line than they've ever had to deal with. So I'm... I'm not against holding her for that reason, but I would not be counting her in my long-term plans by any stretch. Okay, I'm going to give you a fact. I love facts. Yeah, I'm sure you do. (laughs) Okay, Celine Moody's break-even is 73. Do you know what her highest score ever is? Highest scores are meant to be broken. I did not ask you. That's not the answer to the question. Answer the question. Because I know that the answer's not good for this... That's my answer. <laughs> it's 75. 75 is her only score ever that high. And that's also her only score ever in the 70s. Do you remember do you remember earlier when the in the preseason when when I was so hot on Abby Mackay averaging 75 and you noted that that was higher than her highest score ever? Yes, I know. I know. I've done this analysis before. I sounded <laughs> stupid. We didn't need to go back to it. We said so many things in the preseason I can't get everything right. All right, so that's 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 Celine Moody. Uh, Mel, I'm going to throw this one to you. If you started with Brian Moody or Lauren Pierce, who are both very highly owned, would you stick with them or were you dropping them down? I think if you've picked uh, Brianne or a Gabby, you've picked them because you want a bit of a set and forget. It's a little bit different to me than picking, say, like a... Oh, sorry, you said Lauren Pierce, but it's a little bit different to me than picking like a, a Moody where you've gone a bit of a specky option and if she doesn't perform then you're going to want to potentially move her on. If you've picked those uber premiums in your ruck, you probably just want to leave them there, let them keep doing what they're doing. I mean, they scored almost what they needed to to, to maintain their money. They've got a very high break even, which they're not going to reach now, but that's probably not why you bought them in. You bought them in to just get those consistent 70 scores each week or so and forget about it. So if you've gone down that path, I reckon you just stick with it. Yeah, I like it. It's a good call there. All right, moving on to our last line here, the forward line. We had some huge, huge scores in our forward line, things that we were not even thinking was possible last season. So top of the charts, we had Lucy McAvoy coming back very surprisingly from injury and knocking 103 in her first game back. I have jumped on the wheel train here and gone two players a season too early. I had McAvoy and McCarthy in my team last season, and then I got really mad at both of them for not doing well enough but look i was just a little bit too early because they are the top two value primo forwards see, in the first see with ash mccarthy i also had mccarthy last year we didn't go too early she scored okay she broke her wrist so it wasn't it wasn't really I was still mad. how dare she <laughs> can we also just recognize the fact that they are two of the most bizarre scores you're ever going to see because Ash McCarthy did it whilst tagging Aaron Phillips obviously we'd all predict that the tagger goes on to be one of the highest scoring forwards and then Lucy McAvoy comes back from injury we were expect- we were told it was going to be like round four she was going to be back she's not playing a single second in the midfield she's playing purely as an intercept defender 
and looks incredible at it. Very, very like, good. The, the best she's ever looked after being a high round draft pick. Like two of the most bizarre first rounds we've ever seen. Seriously, seriously surprising scores. I think McCarthy to me had potentially the best individual game of the weekend of any player because she somehow managed to tag and completely shut out of the game the best player that's ever played in Aaron Phillips. She had you know something like six clearances on her own. She kicked what could be goal of the year. I'm expecting that to win the nomination for the round. I, I Absolutely fantastic performance. And that goal inspired them to run over the top of Port Adelaide in that final quarter. It was the match-winning goal. I, I don't know if we all watched Greta Bodie's goal, but I think that's probably goal yeah, of the round. That, was, that wasn't bad. Oh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's was, pretty delicious, Jono. I don't know if you saw that one, but that one's probably going to beat it. There was it was pretty good. It yeah. was pretty good. But either way, in the circumstances of what happened, I can see I can see the West Coast one getting up. Anyway, look, I, I think those are some very very unique picks at the top there. The next two I think were a little bit more popular. You had Jazz Garner coming out with a ninety one, great score. That's exactly what you want from your F one. Lovely to see that. Next there, I saw Abby Mackay also on the ninety one. Very happy to see that she's come out and had a great score. We've already talked about that. I don't need to. Harp on and on and on. You can brag about it once, even though I want to. Once, you've got the floor. I was so happy. I was so happy to see that. You've got ten more seconds. (laughs) No, no, but I I am going to go back and watch that Carlton Tong again. I'm very sad. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. I'm going to rewatch it just so you can. Just for that. Just for that. Abby McKay. Yay. Look, on on the other side of things, there were a few coaches that started with some terrific rookie choices as well. Almost all of the good rookies here. Uh, we had a very, very high score of 73 from Paige Scott, who had the Rising Star nomination. Very, very impressive. I, I think she's nearly a must-have for every team. The way she plays the game, seriously impressive. She is a like physical beast of a teenager like it, it's a look it's a little bit ridiculous how comfortable she looks there was a great contested mark to kick the bomb, second goal of the bombers first quarter in the second half she was just like palming people away after running off the mark laying tackles dominating pretty much every stat line she looks like an absolute gun already and one that i did say after having watched had a chance to rewatch the Bombers Port Adelaide game. She, uh, you could tell she was going to do well. She just gets everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Like she was tearing it up at VFLW level. So she was a player that you very rightly identified, Liam. And gee, she looked good on the weekend. She's she's going to be one of those players in future that you can just see pushing through that midfield, bursting forward, kicking goals. Just superstar written all over her. The next few on the list also very very impressive. You had Vicky Wall come across playing her first. Uh, well, second game of footy after her practice match nearly two weeks earlier, straight off the plane. But she's come in for North Melbourne, thrown up a 67. On my bench. Danielle Marshall, <laughs> rookie Price, has come in and scored a 66. Ella Roberts, we knew she was good, but what a third quarter she had. Yeah, she's come wow. out and put up a 60. We were very nervous for the first three quarters of that game. Gee, she came alive in the second half. And look, I'm going to give a shout out here. Technically not rookie priced. Gavin Newton came in, I think... Just a smidge, a smidge over Montana Ham's price. But Gabby Newton, the number one pick from a couple of years back, has come out and had a fantastic first game back, put up an 86. Will, you must be excited. You were pretty hot on her in the Bulldogs episode. I am both super excited and incredibly frustrated because I said it in the, in the Bulldogs episode. I thought she was a fantastic pick. Wasn't a certainty to play around one, but when we saw her in the, the practice matches, I thought, you know, looking good for round one. 
she was in my original draft of my team and just through restructuring didn't end up in my final team and gee i regret that and she's a player that i'm genuinely considering bringing in with the way i'm thinking of structuring my trades this week interesting yeah i, I can very much see her being a, a continually high scoring player we're talking about celine moody doing well on that forward line and gavin newton very much a chance to do exactly the same yeah. so I, I very much see that play the really tricky thing with the forward so is there was so much potential before round one and we were getting so excited how we're going to fit all these people in and now that we've seen some of these amazing players come out of nowhere that we didn't expect and a number of rookies that we might not have expected doing really well as well ah oh, <laughs> what do we do <laughs> so much yeah, how do you get them in it's a very good question i think something that we haven't quite talked about about the forwards yet was it was the only sort of line where we didn't have any mid-priced value a lot of the popular mid-priced options really failed to fire oh, yeah, i'm sorry oh, i'm sorry well, what's mckay what, what's what's mckay uh, abby mckay here is the outlier because i want to throw a few names at you so the ones that were very popular heading into the round were chloe malloy ellie mckenzie and then a few lower price premiums in aaron phillips and gabbo sullivan a few underperformers there for I, I, sure. I, I, Will, I'd love, I love the fact that you think that the second highest <laughs> priced forward is I a mid pricer <laughs> in, in Gabio. I thought Hanks was above it. It was Sullivan higher. No, oh, no. My mistake. One was priced at 80, Sullivan, one was priced yeah. at 77. I know that Jazz Garner is good, but she's yeah. not so good that everyone else below <laughs> Garner is mid price. I, I will say, Jazz Garner really. Uh, warps my perception of the prices in the forward line because mm. i'm like well she's she's 50 grand less than less than ghana clearly she's in the mid price bracket yeah, yeah i guess to my point is there were quite a few players in that upper bracket of forwards that didn't quite hit the heights that we were looking for a lot of these players were very popular f2s so i suppose i'm going to throw this to you liam what do you do with some of these players if you've got them so i think just kind of going through Gabo Sullivan, I think you probably need to trade. Yep. She does not look like she's got the same role this year. Wasn't around the ball as much as we'd liked. I feel like some of it's been supplanted by like a Dana Reese. Yeah. I, I, I'd be very worried about it. Yeah, we did also say that um, with the Antonios going out, she was slated for more of a forward role, and that seems to have come to pass. Mm. And then, in turn, I think for an Aaron Phillips as well, it's probably a trade out. If you haven't got Abby Mackay, I would be going from Phillips down to to Mackay. And I did I did flag the fact that Aaron Phillips is the primo tag target at Port Adelaide because there's no one else really in their midfield who's a who's a brand name. Aaron Phillips did cop uh, not just the tag, but she also copped a corky quite early on, which definitely limited it. You could see she was struggling a little bit with it. But yeah, if you've got her in your team, she's going to be feeling the effects of that next week. So I, I wouldn't be, I would be very comfortable moving around with that. Will, what about Chloe Malloy? Yeah, Malloy was one that was uh, also painted as a player who could get a lot of midfield time, especially with a few injuries and players missing. But she did spit through there a little bit. But I think her value for the, the Collingwood team is more up forward as that dynamic player and going through as a burst midfielder just for, for the odd stoppage. A 56 wasn't particularly inspiring. I don't think she's going to get more midfield time as the season goes on. So to me, I think that I'd be comfortable moving her on or sliding sideways to someone else. I, I think that I think the problem with with Chloe Malloy was she got named in the midfield 
before most players were locked out and she got named as a you know ruck rover and that was kind of like oh finally the midfield role that they've been talking about in the preseason but again I, I put it in the article we're talking about the forwards she's just so good kicking goals and being around the goal and operating as that mid to high half forward that you just can't afford as a Collingwood team to really take that out and really take that capability away from your, from your goal kicking. Yeah, and just quickly, in a team that was already missing some of their star midfielders, she fell behind in the uh, CBAs behind Ash Sheridan and debutante Imogen Evans. So I don't see her getting more of, those, that, more of that midfield time to make her worth holding. One player that did get midfield time but didn't score particularly well. Mel, I'm going to throw it to you here. We've got Ellie McKenzie at Richmond who didn't quite put up the numbers we want. It was a 46 in round one. What are you going to do with that? Yeah, she looked really promising in the pre-seasons because she was one of the four that was always taking those CBAs and she was like one of the favourite picks uh, that we all had going in. But it seems like the, the midfield time has really been dominated there by Sarah Hosking, Conti and Egan. And between it, it seems like those three are just the more dominant players taking that time away from Ellie McKenzie. Which I don't see changing, I guess. Like, why, if that worked well for them, why would they change it? Counterpoint here. Couple of them. Because I, I, I was a big proponent of, of uh, Ellie McKenzie as well. And I still think that there is a glimmer of hope. She still managed to outscore what she was priced at at 37. And she gave away four free kicks, which really also helps to kind of drag down that score. But I think the big thing was actually Richmond didn't look very good on Sunday night. They really struggled to move the ball forward. And I think part of that was the way that they were trying to break through the zones was not with the kind of elite kicking that Ellie McKenzie has. In terms of her pure distance, it was something that they really struggled with. And there were, I think that if you're looking for a reason to trade McKenzie out, it's not her midfield time. She sat at 57% CBAs. It was the number of times when there were non-CBA stoppages. She was the next kick away from the stoppage just a little bit too much in that first half and that really impacted her scoring. Yeah, and Geelong do play a very compressed, contested game style. They're very um, strong in, in that contest, so they are looking to lock down those sorts of things which will have also affected her scoring. In the interest of keeping us moving, I'm just going to quickly finish off. I think there are a lot of forwards that, uh, from a rookies, they, they did well, and I think they're probably worth holding even though there's value there. So if you've got a, a Hannah Ewings, a Riley Wilcox, or a Lawrence Getty, all scoring in that mid-40s, I think that was a, a very solid score. No need to move them on. You've probably got bigger issues. If you've got an Amy Whelan or a Joanne Doonan, someone who's or, or worse than that, you know, I think there were some players like Amelia Yassir that went single digits. These are players that I would probably move on because of how much value there is in the forward line. Yes, here is really disappointing because we spent that episode going on about how good she looked and then she got nine. So to any listeners that might have listened to my five-minute rant about how good Yasir looks and then taken that advice, I sincerely apologise. <laughs> I think at this point I'd also like to distance myself from that. Mel, you said how long we talked about Emily Yassir. I mean, Jono and I. You know. and Jono talked about it, Emily Yassir. I did not say a single word about it. I thought it was a trap. And lo and behold, it was a trap. I wasn't even on this episode, so that's how far distance You join my camp. Me. You come join my camp. Absolutely. I'm hiding a long way away from this one. Yeah, well, thanks for saying nothing and protecting the listeners from these dodgy trades, guys. We appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure I've had my fair share. We're going to move on now. 
We, we released an article last week on captains, and our number one captain was Anne Hatchard, pumped out a 99, fantastic there. The rest of them did not go so hot, which was kind of reflective of all of the, the really expensive players this round. We're going to be putting out another article later this week, but Liam, do you have a potential sneak peek into who might be the top captain this week? Uh, I do have a potential sneak peek, and it is, in the words of DJ Khaled, another one. It's Anne Hatchard again. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's hard to go off her. She's, she's looked very good last weekend. Look, let's jump into some listener questions. I think we've got quite a few here, so we might try and move a little bit faster through these just on the interest of time. Mel, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, we've got Squidgy Face here who has asked, should we stick to Selby's mantra of don't trade premium players? Because I definitely want to trade Phillips after seeing her have no midfield clear role. Well, I'd like to start by mentioning that based on how we just ran through the forwards, we didn't really put her in the premium section there. <laughs> That's so, my fault. Sorry about that. Is, is she really a premium <laughs> that you need to worry about trading? I'm going to say she's not really a premium in this section. Therefore, don't feel bad about trading her. God, imagine calling Erin Phillips not a premium just in any context. Just <laughs> <laughs> Liam, I might keep this one with you. Finn has asked, what is the player with Celine Moody? Horrible role, but still scored well. Is it a player to drop it down to McGrath and then get Ham up to one of these cheap board mids? Yeah, 100%. Like, we, we've already talked about it with Celine Moody uh, when we were talking about the Rucks. I, I am very concerned by her role, and I think that there's a lot of cash to be made, and we saw what we wanted from McGrath. She really dominated the, the Ruck time. I think she had more than, more than 70%. So, yeah, that's definitely a play. Yeah. And I might actually keep this next one with you, if that's all right. The number four has asked, should I look to put Mackenzie up to Mackay? You're the only one without Mackay. Is it a priority for you this week? Look, I think bringing in Mackay is a priority for me, but I don't know if it's via Mackenzie. I think there are other means by which... If you can do it by other means, you should still do it. Mackenzie still looks to have the impact, and that's kind of more of what Richmond needed. I think you can afford to get another weak look at McKenzie. If you can find another way to bring in Mackay, that would be the way to do it. Yeah. Will, Odin has asked, uh, after seeing how round one went, who is the number one rookie or mid-pricer required in each line? Yeah, we've kind of touched on them for each line, but I'll just give a bit of a, a bit of a recap. In the back line, the obvious rookie to pick up is Eilish Sheeran. She was the second highest scoring defender for the round, so very obvious pick in that back line if you can get her. For the midfielders... I think the mid-prices is probably the more important one if you can do it. Maria Maloney coming off the 101. Uh, as terms of the rucks, we just talked about uh, Liz McGrath, 75, going to keep going up in price, so she's the one that you want to move to there. In terms of the forward line, it's, it's, it depends on whether you want to go for a slightly higher price player and Gab Newton, who scored that 86, but otherwise I think the player there is Paige Scott. Don't forget as well Abby Dowrick uh, as a port mid-priced rookie and rising star in the midfield very good pick up there as well she's the one if you want a, a genuine rookie that is the one to go for i think uh mel we might jump to this one which is from marley cons thoughts on rolling with both Mackay and mcavoy in your forward line both carlton players do you have any hesitation on picking them both up your as your f2 f3 well i guess round one showed that they can both be great i think mcavoy would be a, a great pick and i am considering having both of them but you're just going to have to be quite confident on how Carlton are going to go and that there's going to be enough points to share. 
to me, because they play such different roles, I think it's a perfectly viable play. It's just a matter of how you can fit them into your team around your trade structure. Uh, Will, I might throw this next one to you. Uh, Callum has asked, are there any gun players coming back from injury in the next few weeks that it's going to upset some mid-rotations? Yeah, so the, the main two, and the timeline on the return for these two isn't quite known yet, so keep an eye on them. The main two would be Michaela Can at Collingwood. We've talked a bit about how the midfield rotation at Collingwood is already a bit strange, but her coming back in, she will play almost 100% midfield time, so might push out a, a, a Slicer, a Malloy, and Evans. And Sheridan. Yep, correct. And the other one is Rebecca Beeson at GWS. Currently indefinite with concussion, so could be out for the season, could be back soon, not 100% sure, but she will slot also straight back into that midfield and may affect the way the rotations go there. I think the big flag there is on a tape mackerel. Liam, over to you. We've got Wayne asking, he's still working out whether Scott is a must-have as the Dons aren't going to play an expansion club every week. Wayne, that hurts my feelings as a Hawks supporter. <laughs> but Liam, do you want to give us a go on Paige Scott there? Okay, Jono. If your feelings are hurt by a literal description, factual <laughs> description of your side, then I have news for you. Because subjectively, they didn't look very good. No, I, think, uh, I still think Paige Scott is good enough. She kind of just showed an ability to move around the ground. And the Bombers looked to include her in a lot of what they were doing. She was taking t- marking targets up forward. If they try, if kind of any team tries to put a smaller defender on her, she will absolutely beast them. I still, I, I still think she's 100% someone you should be picking. Mel, I'm going to ask you this one from Hayden. Is it worthwhile spending a bit of cash bringing in Sheeran and Dowrick with the lowest BEs in the game and jumping off some underperforming rookies like Whelan? I'm assuming that this is uh, contrasting, you know, getting some cheaper rookies, say an Alex Ballard, for example, in the back line, who's a little bit cheaper. So do you spend up to get a Dowrick as opposed to going basement? Yeah. Yeah, I I think now if you've got someone like a Whelan and you need to be trading them out, it's a really good opportunity to pick up a known cash gen, someone with a very low break even, that you know is just going to help replenish your team for the next few weeks so that you've got that cash option to put on someone later on. Obviously, like Dowrick has a fantastically low break even, would be a very good option so if you're in need of having some cash generating players because you're risking a little bit of a plateau otherwise, then I would chase the low break evens. Um, but if not, and if you're in a fairly secure position and you want to take a bit of a, a gamble um, for someone that might generate your cash or might just stay exactly where they are because it's not the break even game, then I'd go Ballard. What do you guys think? I, I, I think you have to have Dowrick in your team. After she got like she got like the second most coaches votes or maybe maybe second or third most coaches votes in a proper game. She's a slightly more mature rookie. She scored an eighty three. She's a writing star. She has one of the longest kicks already at Port Adelaide. She's a must have. Her kicking is elite. It it looks very natural. I, I love all of it. And like I think this is the big thing here. It's like it's not like a on these line ball rookies. It really depends on your strategy. But the first three weeks basically are trying to jump on the key rookies that will make you cash. And as we saw last year, you can sit in your side until like round seven, round eight. Derek looks like that after round one. The same way we thought the um, you know watching Charlie Robot on round one and two last year, last season. Will uh, this question comes from Benji? Did Will purposefully flop so listeners don't have to feel so bad about their round one score? Now, Benji's a friend of the show. 
But regardless, I gotta say, Benji, I am I am cut that you would suggest that. I am so rude. I am genuinely hurt. But <laughs> I'm a man of the people, so I will say this. I was on the wrong side of some rookie roulette. If I had have thrown Vicky Wall, uh, Taylor Gatt, and who was the last I think one? You had Derek, Derek on, on the, the bench. Derek mm. on the field. If I put those on the field, I gain an extra ninety six points, which takes me from a seven hundred and ninety fourth all the way up to 98th. So I think I've, I've unfortunately gone on the wrong side of the rookie roulette this week. So And in the side game that we're playing, which is who has the highest scoring bench, Will wins. So really, exactly. did he flop? So I'm, expect- I'm expecting Mel to make me a hat for yeah. that at the end of this year. <laughs> the wooden bench hat. <laughs> but, but one thing I will say is it kind of does show that there's not much in it for all those coaches mm. out there who might be feeling a bit flat about scoring around that thousand or even less than a thousand mark, it's going to be pretty easy to to catch up with a few smart trades here and there, a few slight changes to your team. I think there's there's plenty of upside to to looking at what you've got already and saying I can catch up pretty easily. And the gamble of which rookies you put on field versus on the bench each week, like mm. we're all going to suffer from it. I think the rookie roulette is going to keep going as well. We, Will and I were talking last night about some other seasons where you've had, say, a Bailey Scott go 100 in round one and then go 30 in the second round. It, it's going to get worse. But this isn't this isn't an open and shut case in round two. I will 100% put Derek on my field next week instead of Alana Barber. And I'm assuming that now that that means Alana Barber is going to score 100 against Carlton and Derek will probably score a 40. So, Listeners, you've been warned. Let's, let's let's see what happens. If that happens, I'm going to pull up this little bit of audio and just say, well, I told you, and I'm apparently the, the bad luck charm once again. I, I do like you pulling up your own audio, telling yourself, yep, see, I told me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look at me. Past me was a better coach than I was because he predicted that I was bad. That's basically Good. that's basically the story of my fantasy career, Liam. Basically, past me has all these great ideas. And then a couple of weeks down the track, I'm like, damn, I should have listened to that guy. <laughs> well, that guy was onto something. Yeah. He was an absolute thinker there. <laughs> all right. Last question of the night. Liam, I'm going to throw this one to you. Gorn Fritch has asked, trade or spade, Bridie Kennedy? Wheeling and dealing. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's trade or spade. Now, for those of you that don't know, trade or spade is a segment from an AFL men's fantasy podcast called Hat Chat. And for those who've never heard it before, yes, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you first hear it. <laughs> but, but importantly, trade or spade means do you trade them out or do you spade them? Do you dig in and hold them in your side? Which is apparently oh, not what I thought. Just dig and bury them because they're dead to you. Dig, bury them outside of your team. So it's trade them out or kill them and bury them. Yeah, great, great analogy. Now I think, uh, in all seriousness, I reckon you uh, you spade Bridie Kennedy. You hold. All right, look, that's good to know. We're going to end there because I don't want to ask any more questions like that. It's just a ridiculous term. <laughs> don't, don't worry, John. We'll spade you in camp. <laughs> all you right. take of that what you will. <laughs> We might wrap it up here then. Before we go, I'm just going to get one last thought from each of you on your trade plans coming up this week. I don't necessarily need you to lock it in, just some early thoughts. I'll go first. I think for me, the the big uh, miss for me this week was Eilish Sheeran in the back line. So that's going to be a priority for me, probably at the expense of uh, an Erica O'Shea. Mel, you're our top-ranked coach here. What secrets can you share with the listeners? 
Oh, golly. Zero, zero trades. Doesn't need to do anything. <laughs> no, I've got a couple that I'm that I'm thinking of trading out. This is all I've got so far is that I'm thinking maybe Varia goes, maybe Patrikios goes for a Hosking. Maybe Moody goes for really a McGrath. <laughs> Varia going really I know. Female. Look, me too. But actually, here's a quick comment that I didn't make earlier. I have made a terrible decision putting a defender from my team for, that I support, Frio, into my fantasy team because I'm watching that Frio game and I really want the ball in Frio's forward line for them to get goals. But I also <laughs> really want the ball in the back line so it's in Sarah Varia's hands. I mean, um, yeah, Sarah Varia's hands. And I'm sitting there so conflicted for this hour being like, I don't know what I want, but it's not happening. <laughs> Sorry, she has to go. It was too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the position to make the luxury trades in third place, so I, I won't be yeah. I'm trading her purely for my stress levels next weekend. <laughs> but I'm in Perth as well, so hopefully I can go to the game. All right, that's that's a, an interesting insight into the, the mind of Mel up in third <laughs> spot there. Will, what are your current tra- trade thoughts? Um, trade plans. My trade plans. My current thoughts are Mon Conti down to one of the port mids. Uh, I'm going to trade slash spade Brighty Kennedy to probably a Sheeran and use the extra money to upgrade Whelan in the forward line. Great. And Liam, lucky last, what do you got for us? Oh, I don't want to have to do it, but I think I have to get rid of Celine Moody. Oh, <laughs> that cuts. It hurts. Oh, it, it hurts really, too. really hurts. Mm. I was like, I got I got sucked over to the dark side, Jono. Why'd you do this yeah, to me? me? Yeah, me too, actually. It's all your fault, Jono. <laughs> yeah. It's all your fault, You got a great I, round six, 67 score straight up. <laughs> yeah, I could yeah. have had more if I'd gone with McGrath. Look, oh. if she played Ruck, she would have been the best Ruck in the game. I back that in. She looked very, very good oh, in yeah, a forward Oh, yeah, 100% she would. <laughs> but she didn't. <laughs> Look, she it's didn't. another Bulldogs coach just doing everything in their power to screw us over. Oh. <sighs> yeah, and then... I'm going to try and find a way to bring in uh, the, the Abster, mm. the North Queenslander that is Abby Mackay. All right, this is, this is great to hear. It's, it's, if you've got to jump off Celine Moody, there's not a better player to get on than Unless Abby Unless you're Mackay, picking Jono's so. other favourite player. <laughs> All about that. <laughs> yes, let me jump off this trade I didn't, this person I didn't talk about. No, 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 no. Let's talk about my elite pick. Aha, uh-huh, Abby Mackay. You really should have led with that, Liam, just being like, I'm going to get Abby Mackay by trading out Celine Moody. <laughs> All right, let's 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 leave it there. I hope everyone's had a good hour or so listening to us chat. If you want to find a little bit more fantasy article relevant stuff over at The Dub, we've got some great content coming up there this week. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you can find us at FreeKickWPod. You can find me on Twitter at Odds and Steven. You can find me on Twitter at LMTom1. I'm on Twitter and Insta as HiMelD. And I'm on Twitter at Lenina Effect FKW with that annoyingly long Twitter handle. <laughs> PSA, before those loyal listeners who stay to the end, here's my reminder for you. At the moment, lockout on Friday is going to happen before all of the teams from Saturday come out at 5.30. So you need to be making sure you have your trades done before the game starts at 5 o'clock on Friday night. PSA, don't forget this. Yeah, good call out, Liam. Thanks, everyone. Good luck for round two. Good luck, everyone. See you, everybody. Bye.